Today we're talking about motivation, what motivates you, and whenever I hear that song, I want to punch people. So uh, if you know the Rocky movies, those are all, that's the, like the theme of the Rocky movies. And, and so motivation is incredibly important. We're finishing this year. It's a great time. Probably today is a great day. You know, it's really kind of cool God orchestrated it this way. Because today is the last day of the year. It's a Sunday. Most of us don't have to work. We have time to kind of think and reflect. We can look back on 2023. We can kind of think about what do we want to do in 2024. And we can talk about what motivates us. Because there are positive motivations. There are negative motivations. Now, when I was about 20 years old, 18, 19, 20 years old, my dad bought a sort of a dilapidated Jeep, kind of an old Jeep. I don't think he paid much for it. And uh, I have a good friend named Mike Wilson. And so Mike and I decided we were going to take the Jeep. I should have probably told my dad. Uh, We're going to take the Jeep. We have an area near my home called uh, Parksville Knobs. They, They aren't quite mountains, but they're bigger than hills, and so they call them the Knobs. A lot of logging goes on in there. A lot of stuff goes on in there. So uh, Mike and I, we got in the Jeep, and we head out to Parksville to the Knobs. And we're driving down. We're trying to find a logging road because we want to you know, kind of test the Jeep. You want to know how many times we'd ever four-wheeled? It would be none. Uh, there's a really good chance we were going to get out there and have a really bad experience. But uh, we're innocent and dumb, and so we see uh, what looked like a logging road, and there was a very prominent no trespassing sign posted. So that's the road we took. Because, I mean, that's that's an old sign, you know, uh, probably doesn't apply anymore. So we go up the road and there's trees and all of a sudden we, we drive into an open field. It was awesome. And then I see movement. There were guys on four wheelers with rifles heading toward us. At this point, I'm thinking about pushing Mike out because uh, I think they have somebody to fool with. I can get away. They stop us. I've only had a gun pointed, a rifle pointed at me one time in my life, and this was it. And this guy is asking me, he asks me, who are you? Why are you here? I would have given him my social security number, my bank account. I'd have given him anything he wanted. I told him my daddy's name, my mama's name, where they were from. I mean, it's like I told him everything he wanted to know. I was motivated. And he said, didn't you see that sign out there? I was also motivated to lie. Uh, I said, no, sir, is there a sign? A sign? I don't think there was a sign. Is there? What? I don't know. He said, there's a sign out there. Don't come around here. Now, so just so you know, in my part of the woods, I know like the dark corner here is known for moonshine, bootleg, and that kind of thing. My part of the world, uh, we grew um, a plant <laughs> that people like to harvest. And uh, we'd grow it amongst the corn. It was kind of kind of how that worked. And so I'm fairly certain they were doing more than just protecting their property. But it was certainly motivation. So... What we're going to talk about today is how important it is to have proper motivation. Let's talk about the word. To be motivated is to stimulate toward action. Something is stimulating you toward action. So it's the end of the year. You got a new year. I mean, the new year is like hours away. So what am I going to be motivated to do in 2024? That's kind of where we're going to go today. So let's talk about negative motivators. All right. And and some of us have these. Guilt. 
My guilt, this is a guy named David writes this. David was one of the great men of the Old Testament, but man, he made some mistakes. He had an affair. He uh, had a guy killed. Uh, he, he did some really bad stuff. So he says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. I say that about David to say this. You probably have things in your life you feel guilty about. I, I get it. And, and guilt has this way of just overwhelming us. But whatever you've done, it probably pales in comparison to what David had done. I mean, he gets you. He understands. I read about a lady, her name is Jill Price. She has something doctors call a highly superior autobiographical memory. She can remember every detail of her life from the time she was 14 until today. She wrote a book. It's called The Woman Who Can't Forget. Now, uh, I was talking to my friend Don about this out in the lobby just a second ago. I forget from here to there what I went in there for. I mean, yesterday, I walked past the thing I went to get, and then I just stood in the yard and had to try to remember what I was there for. This lady can't forget anything. Now, there's a positive to that. You could remember every blessing somebody gave you, every good moment in your life. That would be really cool, but you know what she also remembers? She, she remembers every insult, every bad decision, every excruciating embarrassment. Um, one time, uh, let me go back to my friend Mike Wilson. We were going to go to, to uh, an amusement park. What's the one around here over near Charlotte? Carowinds. All right, we have one like that in Cincinnati called Kings Island, okay? So I'm a teenager. The youth group is going to go to Kings Island. So we are going to coordinate outfits. I don't know why, because we're stupid. Uh, we're, we're dudes. Dudes don't do that, but we did. So the only thing we had in common were, were cut-off blue jeans and flannel shirts in July. Cut-off blue jeans, okay. Oh, we had high-top Converse and tube socks with stripes. This was going to be our ensemble to pick up chicks. Uh, that's kind of, we're, we're thinking, oh, those Cincinnati chicks have never seen anything like this. Well, yeah, because uh, <laughs> nobody wants to see that. So I've got my flannel shirt rolled up, you know, as far up as it'll go, and my cut-off blue jeans, jorts, and my tube socks, and my Chuck Taylors. And I show up to get on the bus to go to Kings Island. And stinking Mike Wilson had worn something else. He, he, he bailed on me, man. All right, so, so I go to Kings Island. It's hotter than blazes. And my socks start to droop. A brother can't wear droopy socks. I mean, they got the cool stripes around them. I ain't wearing no droopy socks. So I came up with an ingenious idea. I had some gum. I'm chewing gum. Gum is sticky. I put little, it was the red kind of gum, by the way. I put little dabs of gum on my socks and stuck them there. Do, do you know what happens to gum in the heat? It melted. It melted. Right. 
So now I've got two stripes down each leg. <laughs> this is going to shock you, but I picked up no chicks that day. I mean, none. I got nothing. We, we have these embarrassing moments in our life. How would you, now I can remember that and think, oh, that was stupid, but my word. What about the things that really hurt us? This lady remembers everything. And we're a product of our past and the decisions that we made, but we don't have to be a prisoner of it. And so one of the things we need to understand, guilt doesn't need to be our motivator. Another really bad motivator is anger and resentment. And some of us can nurse a grudge like we have a newborn baby. I mean, we just won't let it go. Let me tell you this story. Let me see how you feel about this. Nancy Cohen writes this. I live in New Jersey, and I'm accustomed to having people cut me off on the highway. But one time I was cut off by a young man in a convertible. He missed my car by inches, and then he had the audacity to flip me off. Still steamed, I noticed that he had gotten off at the same exit as I had, and that the convertible driver had pulled into the office complex right next to mine. So I waited for him to go into the building. As luck would have it, he left the top down, and I had, made, uh, I had just made a stop at the supermarket where I had purchased a loaf of bread. So I pulled over to his car, tore a few slices of the bread, threw them in the front and the back seat, and pulled away. In just a few moments, the seagulls descended. How do you feel about that story? Some of you are going, that's awesome. Because uh, we have this anger and resentment. But here, this is a great verse. Don't be quick to fly off the handle. Anger boomerangs. That's a really interesting wording. Anger boomerangs. In World War II, there was a sub called the Tang, T-A-N-G, like the, the drink. You know? like, I didn't even know that existed, but yeah, the, 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 the Tang. It was cruising the waters uh, off of Japan. It had been on mission for a while and only had eight missiles left, eight torpedoes left, and they came upon a, a convoy or whatever that's called of, uh, of ships, of Japanese ships. And so they began firing these torpedoes and picking these, these ships off. But the last torpedo, the eighth torpedo, they, they shot out the porthole and then it, it boomeranged back. And it hit their sub and, and it sunk them and it killed everybody on board. And it's a perfect illustration of this text. Don't be quick to fly off the handle. One of the things that we might need to, to resolve... To, to make a resolution for in our lives is to, to handle anger better. All right, every guy in here, look at me. When you drive, it doesn't have to be a competition. I know it is, but it doesn't have to be. Now, <laughs> just take a breath. Sometimes we just get so upset. Sometimes we just take a breath. Just need to take a breath. Another really negative motivator is fear. A lot of people just live with fear. Let me, there was a, a survey done by Chapman University in 2021. 85% of Americans live with a sense of impending doom. 85% think that it's just about to end. Here are the things they're most scared of, in order. Corrupt government officials, <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, people I love becoming seriously ill, Russia using nuclear weapons, people I love dying, the U.S. involved in another world war, pollution of drinking water, not having enough money for the future, economic financial collapse, pollution of the oceans, rivers, and lakes, biological warfare. 
Folks, fear can just drive everything you do. Basically, those fall into five categories. Corrupt government, harm of loved ones, war, environmental concerns, economic concerns. But look what it says in the 45th, uh, 46th Psalm. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. If all there is is this world, then you can probably be afraid all the time. If there's no better place, if there's nothing to look forward to, then fear makes some sense. But it doesn't always make sense. I heard about a guy, he went to a therapist, he was afraid there were monsters under his bed. He would go week after week and pay an expensive fee to talk to his therapist about monsters under his bed. And with no results. And one day he just stopped going to that guy and later, you know, they kind of happened into each other at a restaurant and, and his old therapist said, well, how are things going with you? And he goes, I've, I'm cured. He goes, how are you cured? He goes, well, I went to another therapist. I, I was there one session. He cured me. The first therapist said, well, what did he do? And he said, the guy told me to cut the legs off my bed. Uh, there, there's a lot of times the solution is easy. It's funny. Let me, I'll give you a second. Under the bed, take the leg. All right, oh, it makes sense. Sometimes the solution really isn't that difficult. We're afraid of things, and look, some stuff you can't control. And, and, and so what do you do with that? Well, I can pray about it, but I can't control it. There are things in your life you can't control. And so you pray about it. It's just what you do. It's just how it works. One more. Materialism. Some people are driven by the need to acquire more stuff, the desire to acquire. They, it motivates them. You see it all the time. And it can motivate you to do really dumb things. Materialism, the, the want of stuff, has driven some people to sell their bodies or to um, get into uh, selling uh, illegal things or stealing. I mean, there's a lot of negative to materialism if it overwhelms you, and it can overwhelm you, and it can just... It, look, stuff provides temporary happiness. Uh, you probably got some things for Christmas. They probably made you happy. They may still make you happy. But at some point, they wear out. They, the, the, there's something to be said for... Just being satisfied with what you have. There was a neurologist who did some research on this. They looked at people who are religious and had had at one time or another in their lives a, a, a really awesome religious experience. And so they checked their brain. There's a place in the brain called the caudate nucleus. And during these religious experiences that were quite positive, that kind of lit up in, in that, that center of the brain. Well, they did a similar test on people who were shopping, who got new things. And that same area of the brain started to light up. It, it is almost like, at least for some people, shopping is this religious experience. But the Bible says this to us, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Let me give you one more. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. A life devoted to things is a dead life, a stump. A God-shaped life is a flourishing tree. So there's a better way than to be motivated by all those things. Let me give you one more. Approval. Some people are just motivated by approval. 
I don't know what the secret to success is, but I do know this. The secret to uh, unsuccess, to failure, is trying to please everybody. It's just impossible. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. You can't be always trying to please everybody. Now, those are negative motivators. Let me give you an interesting study. There's a, guy, a lady named Maria Stenwinkel. Yes, her name is Stenwinkel. She did some research. She talked to uh, the younger generation, and she asked them about what their concerns were. And one in five said this, said that, here's one, one lady wrote, my greatest fear is to go through life living small, but not realizing it until too late. Another lady wrote, my greatest fear would be, to, to be, um, would be missing out on my purpose here on earth. I know I have a purpose that I am not yet serving. D.L. Moody was a guy who was a preacher in America, and he was long ago, but he said this, and it's still brilliant. Our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. We don't want to succeed at something that doesn't really matter. So let me show you one verse, and then we're going to talk about something real fast, and we'll be done. You can be motivated by God's plan for your life. In Ephesians, it said, God, God has made has made us what we are. He has created us in Christ Jesus to live lives filled with good works that he has prepared for us to do. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but let's catch our breath just for a second. God has created you in Christ Jesus to do good works. It doesn't have to be singing on stage or preaching or anything like that. My dad was, was a hero to me. He was a truck driver. He served in the church. He would never pray in front of anybody because he just didn't feel worthy. And so he was a deacon in our church, and he was a trustee, and, and he served, and he would drive the church bus on trips. And, and he, was, <laughs> he wasn't special, but he was. He was honest and fair, and he treated people right. You don't have to be in a spotlight to be doing what God wants you to do. I'm going to get a cough drop. Sorry. Hold on just a second. How do you recognize God's plan for your life? You'll, you, you might say, well, I want to do what God wants me to do. Well, how do you recognize it? All right, let me give you three things. It will certainly have something to do with serving. He just said, can I go back? Yes, I can. God has made us what we are. He has created us in Christ Jesus to live lives filled with good works. With good works. With good works. He wants us to do good works. So, it will certainly have something to do with serving. It will likely be something you enjoy. He's wired you for this. And it will always align with God's word. You might like to do it, but it's not God's will because it's not God's way. I mean, that could be certainly the case. So, there are benefits, once you figure out what God wants you to do, to benefits to following God's plan. Let me give you three real fast. It simplifies things. Now I can say yes and no based on this is God's plan for my life. Does this fit God's plan for my life? Then I'll do it. Does it not fit God's plan for my life? Then I won't do it. It's kind of how it works. So I can, I can have a much more simple life. Each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. We all have something different to do. 
And so when I figure out what God's plan is for my life, it makes it much more simple. Look at this verse. A pretentious, showy life is an empty life. A plain and simple life is a full life. And we live in a a society that pretentiousness and showiness are always on display. They don't have dancing with the homeless. That's not a show. Is it because homeless can't dance? No. By the way, dancing with the stars. I I look at the roster. I'm like, I don't even know who these people are. They're stars. Uh, We live in a world where we're told this is who you should be. We have TikTok influencers and influencers this and that. And listen, if you can be influential, you should be, I guess. But this verse means a lot to me when it says... A plain, simple life is a full life. It can be plain and simple and still be full. Look at what Isaiah says. You, Lord, give perfect peace to those who keep their purpose firm. So when we understand God's purpose and we do that purpose, then we can be powerful. Think about water. Rainwater is light and delightful and wonderful, and we had a lot of it on Monday. On Christmas Day, delightful. But if you focus it, Your life might be fluffy, you know, but if you focus it, you can do great things. Did you know that if you focus water and you pressurize it to 55,000 pounds a square inch, it can cut through steel? So the thing is, we need to have a focused life. We need to have a focused life as well. My my, my little tablet got big all of a sudden, and I don't know. Maybe it understands how old I am, and I, I need big letters so I can read. You want an expert when you need something done. Uh, I had a heart attack at 40 uh, a few years ago, (laughs) many many years ago, and um, I didn't want a general practitioner operating on my heart. I I wanted a heart surgeon. I had a guy named Jerry Madieu. He was French. He was great. And Jerry came in, and he fixed my heart, put stents in, did all those things. You want an expert. You want to be an expert at something. What what can you do that nobody else can do? Look, Jesus said it this way. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. You, you You might have a job, but even in your job, you're seeking the Lord first. Paul put it this way. I am focusing all my energies on this one thing. Forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us heavenward. One more thing. The benefit, the third benefit of following God's plan is it prepares you for eternity. So Elise has, uh, looking at colleges, and I think I've told you all about Lee University. It's in Cleveland, Tennessee. And on campus, they have a building called the Vest Building, like my last name, the Vest Building. I'm so proud. I have pictures, you know, of the Vest Building. And I thought, well, when we're touring, it'll give me a little, you know, I'll be a little special on campus because there's a building named after me uh, on campus. So people would say, what's your name? And I would say, I'm Joseph Vest, like the building. Every kid I said that to, every college kid I said that to, looked at me like, what are you talking about? Because to them, it's the administration building. 
The guy's name was Lamar Vest. He was awesome, I guess. I mean, I don't, I've never met him. I'm sure he's a cousin. Um, might have been bootleg money. I don't know. Anyway, he... he he did great things, and he, he became the president of the university, and they named a building after him. And that's, I guess, okay. But if that's all you get in life is you have a building named after you? I, I watched the Dallas Cowboys last night, and they have a ring of honor. Like great players, you know, because it's the greatest team in football. Uh, and they have a ring of honor, and they inducted a guy yesterday, that one of their former coaches. And I'm thinking to myself, okay... In, in, in 30 years, nobody's even going to know who Jimmy Johnson was. That's just how it works. They forget you because somebody else comes along. There's more to life than just this. Jesus said, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. All right, so let's review, and then we're going to be done in just a second. How do I recognize God's plan for my life? It's going to be something, um, have to do something with serving. It's going to have something to do with serving. It will likely be something you enjoy because God's wired you for it. It will always align with God's Word. It'll always align with God's Word. So we're at the end of the year, and I began to think, how do I want to close today's message? Let's talk about some of the things God did through our church this last year, and then we'll be done, okay? When, back, at, back when I was a kid, we used to sing a song, Count Your Blessings. So let's talk about some of the things God did for us this year. Our church, I don't know if you know this, but our church commits every year, your tithes and offerings come in, and we commit to spending 10%, like a tithe, on missions work. This past year, we were able to sponsor four church plants. Our founding pastor, Cliff Marshall, is right here. Cliff, this was a church plant 18, 19 years ago, something like that. And so because we're a church plant, we help other church planters. Next year, we're going to uh, help a church in, um, in Ocoee. Uh, Seneca? Seneca. Seneca, yeah, in Seneca. And so... Um, we, we like helping churches. One of the churches this year was in Longs, South Carolina. One was in Columbia. Uh, one was in Piedmont. And the other one was in Salt Lake City. We kind, of ha- we kind of have an affinity for Salt Lake City. A few years ago, I went out there. There's just such a need. And so not only did we sponsor four church plants, but we took four mission trips. Two to Longs, two to South, uh, Salt Lake City. Uh, we, we sent people and resources, and we did things. Um, our church this year had the opportunity to help 14 people continue their journey with Christ through baptism. Um, it's awesome that 14 people decided that they, it was time in their life to make a commitment public, and so they did it through baptism. Um, our Freedom Family Feast, if you attended that, and almost everybody did, I think, pretty much everybody in Greenville County. Um, <laughs> The biggest by far we've ever had. It was awesome. We launched an amazing Mother's Day Out program. Part of our missions giving was to our Mother's Day Out program where we're having an impact in the community. We conducted a kids camp. Uh, We had kids off-site camp. The youth had uh, a camp and two retreats. We provided commuter lunches at North Greenville University, and we provided 
dinner for the Blue Ridge football team. We gave away gift cards to teachers. We provided meals for families who lost loved ones. We had private donations. And this is one of the things, I love our church. Sometimes needs will come up, and I, I won't make them public, but I will ask some people, hey, this is a need. The one thing you need to understand about anytime we make a pitch like we have a need, it is always, it's always with the caveat that if you don't feel compelled, you shouldn't give. Never feel pressured to give. Don't, don't ever feel pressured. But sometimes, if I don't know about it, I can't give to it. Now, I just want to make you aware. We had... <laughs> We have such generous people in our church. And so we had folks uh, receive blessings that most of us don't even know about. We had a pretty good year, a pretty awesome year. Let me tell you the thing I'm most proud about. I'm happy that our attendance is up and giving is up and all those things. I'm happy about that. The, the thing that makes our church maybe more unique than most is that we get along with each other. As a parent, when I have kids, I want them to get along. If my kids say, you know, when they were younger, they would say, what do you want for Christmas? I want you to get along. I mean, that's kind of what we want from our kids. I love our church because we get along. I've got a great group of elders that help and and... We have small group leaders, and we just get along. Thank you. Because that's not the way everywhere. And we have folks that have come from other churches, and it's not the way everywhere. So thank you for that. It's one of the greatest blessings of our church is that we get along. All right. This year is over. About. I'm going to pray a blessing on us as we go into the new year.